0: Welcome back to The Look and Sound of Leadership, an ongoing series of executive coaching tips designed to help you be perceived in the workplace the way you want to be perceived. I'm Tom Henschel, your executive coach, and today we're talking about a key component of trust. Recently, a client asked if I knew any consultants with a very particular expertise. A woman named Jeanette leapt to mind. She seemed to be a perfect match, but I didn't refer her. Here's why. I'd run into Jeanette a few months earlier. We sat down to chat and, as always, Jeanette was engaging and entertaining and articulate. She told me about some exciting changes in her business and a new project she was involved in. Then she asked what was new with me. I told her I was glad I'd run into her because a client of mine had a problem that seemed to be right up her alley. I began to sketch the situation for her and she jumped in and said, I know exactly what you're talking about. Here's what I think is going to happen. And she rattled off a solution that actually was pretty smart. But later, reflecting on the exchange, I felt Jeanette's insights might not be on target because she'd given her solution before I'd really explain my problem. I didn't fully trust her ideas. Months later, that low trust kept me from referring her even though I thought her expertise might be what the client was looking for. Here's a different story. An executive vice president had her team at a resort for a three-day off-site event. I was facilitating day one and two. On the first day we all retired for lunch to a lovely patio with an ocean view. For the next 70 minutes, she talked about her lessons learned with the executive committee, the direction the company was headed, and the opportunities that she saw for her group in the coming quarters, all very interesting and very valuable information. During that 70 minutes, she didn't ask one question of any of her people, and she didn't spend one minute listening. At the end of the day, She told me privately she was disappointed that the group had seemed so cautious during the afternoon. In turn, I shared my observations about her behaviors at lunch. A third variation on this theme is about a global software company. The sales team is a group of bright, outgoing, outspoken young men and women. Their standard PowerPoint deck is 30 slides long, and every one of them is about the company and the company's products. There isn't one slide oriented towards their customers' needs or problems. In all three of these stories, the common irritant is self-orientation. David Meister and two co-authors have written a compelling book called The Trusted Advisor. In it, they create a trust equation. It shows the relationship between the different qualities that build trust. It's a very powerful model. Self-orientation is the quality that outranks and influences all the others They write this, there is no greater source of distrust than advisors who appear to be more interested in themselves than in trying to be of service. I believe distrust is also generated by leaders who appear more interested in themselves than in those they lead and by companies who appear more interested in their own gain than in their customers' needs. The trusted advisor is packed with insightful lists of behaviors that either enhance or diminish trust the section on self-orientation alone has three powerful lists the first list talks about the threats to client focus and the temptations for self-orientation the second list talks about behaviors that display high self-orientation which is not good the third list talks about behaviors that demonstrate a lack of self-orientation which is the goal in that final list there are two behaviors that are simple to comprehend but difficult to execute the first Let the other person fill in the silences. At times in my coaching, I engage clients in an exercise in which they have to interview me for 15 minutes. I'm sad to say that in my experience, many executives have lost their natural curiosity about other people, and after the first three or four minutes, they find this task almost impossible. At a certain point in the exercise, I deliberately fall silent. Almost without fail, the executives forget their role, and they jump in and fill in the silence. What's your relationship with silence? If you're like most people, you experience silence as uncomfortable and you probably rush to fill it in. Consider this. Your discomfort with silence is all about you. Filling in silence is an indicator of high self-orientation. The next time a pause falls, let it be. Focus on the other person and wait. The second behavior is actually a mindset. Trust your ability to add value after listening rather than trying to do so during listening. How often during the day do you listen with half an ear while assembling your thoughts for when it's your turn to speak? Most likely one reason you're successful is that you're a fast thinker. Turning off all those ideas that are constantly firing in your head is tough, but be honest. While you're waiting for your turn to speak, thinking all those thoughts, you're not focused on the other person. You are self-oriented. If you'd like to see the trust equation from the trusted advisor, along with those three lists of behaviors about self-orientation, go to our website, essentialcom.com, essentialcom with two Ms. Click on the Contact Us button. Just ask for the trust equation, and I'd be delighted to share it with you. Low self-orientation is powerful in leaders. It draws followers like a magnet. Put it high on your development list. That's today's edition of The Look and Sound of Leadership. A complete archive of our executive coaching tips can be found on the Essential Communications website, essentialcom.com. That's essentialcom with two Ms. Click on the Tips and Tools button. Thanks for listening.